Welcome to Mortification of Spin, Bully Pulpit, a casual conversation about things that count. With Carl Truman, Todd Pruitt, and Amy Bird. Mortification of Spin is a weekly podcast from the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals. The real cake war is on, and the Spin team throws themselves into the action. Today they're talking about religious freedom and whether or not you should bake a cake for a same-sex wedding. At the end of the podcast, we'll tell you how to download a free MP3 from the Alliance. Well, welcome to the Mortification of Spin. And today, Todd and I are trying to master the, the art of cake baking. Uh, regular listeners to the show will know that there's only one woman on this show, and that's Amy. So clearly only one of us is really qualified to make a cake. But Amy is talking us through the, the basic elements of this fantastically womanly craft so that uh, should the worst happen and Todd and I lose our better halves, we would be able to bake each other cakes uh, to survive. Bake a cake for your better half. That's a good idea. My That's better good. half would not appreciate any cake that I might bake her, I suspect. <laughs> but let me say that I am so secure in my masculinity that I can bake a cake and I feel great about it. Well, good. <laughs> I feel great about it. you bake a good cake. Oh, yeah. Oh, That's yeah. my question. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. But as we all know, cake baking has become a highly political, a highly politicized activity over the last 6, 12, 18 months in the United States where a number of high-profile cases have involved people being asked to bake cakes, which they have refused to do, and these issues have then gone to the courts, entered into legal process. Uh, case of a Christian cake baker who has been put, as far as I understand it, uh, given a very heavy fine for refusing to bake a cake for a gay wedding. At the same time as it seems that if one refuses to bake a cake with a hateful comment about gays on it, one can expect judicial protection at this point. So we want to talk today, though, about the issue of gay rights vis-a-vis Christian behavior in the public square, particularly in, in the sort of the commercial angle, because many of us pastors, elders, or in churches where congregants are increasingly going to be faced with the issue of having to do something or being asked to do something that contradicts their religious convictions. And the question is, do we draw a line? Where do we draw the line? How do we navigate these things? What is a pastoral response? Uh, to people in the pew who, you know, frankly, that's where the rubber's going to hit the road. It's the people in the pew who are going to feel the pinch on this much earlier and much more sharply than those of us uh, in the pastorate. How are we in the pastorate to respond to congregants who are facing increasing pressure relative to uh, their religious convictions in the public square? So, Amy, you always have far more interesting thoughts than Todd on things. Really? So, what <laughs> say in response to the the kind of issues and questions that are being raised relative to religious freedom in the public square well first of all it drives me nuts that we're talking about cake with all this i don't know it just makes it appear to be a really trivial issue where i think it it's really something cookie baking might be more serious (laughs) maybe if it was the photographer it might be a little more meaningful to talk about even but um i don't know i mean this is a meaningful issue because it's a liberty of conscience issue so 
those in the secular world who are having small businesses who provide different services, you know, whether you are, you know, maybe you just work on staff at a bed and breakfast. Maybe you're just the cleanup help. Maybe you're the waitress or it, you're a cake baker or a photographer. How does um, your conscience as a Christian then interplay with offering your services to a ceremony that is against your beliefs? Mm-hmm. And I think that's, that's something that is, is kind of tough to wrestle with. Right. And because of the, uh, the aggressive nature of those pushing the homosexual, call it the homosexualist agenda, because of the aggressive nature of it, neutrality is going to be really difficult, if not impossible. And this is where the Christian um, church member who makes their living um, outside of, say, what you and I do, Carl, um, they're they're going to be more and more not able to just kind of find a third way. They're going to have to declare themselves one way or another um, because they're not going to have a choice. And so, you know, one of my questions is, and I think this is where some of the confusion might be, is is there a difference between having a, let's say you're a a baker or a photographer, having a homosexual as a client that you – that buys products from you or that you provide service for, whether you're a dry cleaner or an accountant or whatever, is there a difference between that and say baking a cake for, or being a photographer in or a flower arranger for a homosexual wedding? Hmm. Is there a difference? And if so, what's the difference? Yeah. I mean, that's the key question, Todd. And I think that you're getting into the, the realm of to what extent is, offering, giving those services at a wedding, let's say, approving of what's going on. Right. I mean, there's a sense in which you know, I, I'd have no trouble in, you know, if I had gay neighbors, for example, right. I'd have no trouble in lending them my lawnmower. Right. I would have no trouble going around for a drink. I would have no trouble sure. uh, engaging with them just as members of the neighborhood. Uh, because in being friends with somebody, you're not necessarily endorsing right. every aspect of their lives. The issue on the wedding, of course, is to what extent is providing a cake or being a photographer or doing the flowers, to what extent is 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 giving that service actually endorsing something very specific right. that flies in the face of one's religious convictions. Right. Of course, it's not in the lobby's interest to make that kind of distinction. What they want to right. do is tie it in with Jim Crow, segregationism, prejudice, not seeing uh, that somebody who's a homosexual has any place in society. Uh, they want to tie it in with a very black and white, it's, it's all or nothing. But I think from a Christian perspective, we have to be more thoughtful and make more distinctions as we're approaching this. Right, right. And so it's not as simple as, say, a, a, a piece that was written some time ago by Jonathan Merritt um, uh, telling Christians that they ought to bake a cake for a gay wedding. It's just not that simple um, because the Christian has to, to grapple with questions of conscience. Am I helping in the solemnization Am I am I putting my creativity and my expertise into the, the solemnization or celebration of something that I believe is um, a sin, um, and not just a sin, but also something that's uh, that's an expression of what is bad for these two people, mm-hmm. you know? And that gets us into issues. Of, you know, human flourishing is the buzz now. Um, 
but we, we would say that uh, homosexuality is contrary to human flourishing for obvious reasons. So is, is adding my, my creative skills to a ceremony that celebrates something that God calls abominable. Um, that's, what, that's what I really don't know. Mm-hmm. I think that's why it is a really complicated issue because, I mean, obviously attending the wedding would show approval of it. Sure. Officiating the wedding, um, yeah. you know, being in the wedding party. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, I think I'd have a tough time taking pictures of it. Yep. I don't know about baking a cake. Mm-hmm. I do think that we should have the liberty of conscience, though, to say that, you know, I, I can't do this because I, sh- I don't believe it is right for me to contribute to this religious ceremony. Right. Or what is for me. Mm-hmm. I mean, we could bring that, of course, around to, to an immediate practical pastoral question, because one of the things that is going to be coming up with some regularity will be the question of, well, okay, what are you going to do with the member in your church who bakes a cake for a gay wedding? Mm-hmm. Uh, do you discipline them or not? You know, that's, that's a very practical question that a right. pastor and a, an elder board or a session are probably going to have to ask. I had one of my congregants in the last two years. I won't say what he does because I would give away his identity, but two of his clients are married gay people. Uh, mar- you know, married right. as in the sort of what the, s- the civil government now recognizes as gay marriage. Right. Could he continue to offer his services to them? And my comment was, well, on one level, uh, it's a matter of, of your conscience. But on another level, I don't see that your particular service that you are offering requires you to affirm as legitimate the the legal married status that they, they claim to be occupying. So that would be one small example of where it impinged on my life. But I think the, you know, Todd, my, my question to you would be, okay, congregant comes up to you this weekend and says, baked a cake for a gay wedding. What are you going to do? Are you going to discipline that person or not? Yeah, I'd say um, uh, that... It, that that was something that I wouldn't do. If they were asking my opinion, I'd, I'd certainly give that. If, if it was before they had done it and said, hey, should I do this? I'd say, well, I, I, you know, I'd say I personally don't think it's the right thing, um, but I, I'd need to wrestle through that a lot more w- with, with our session hmm. before we could feel comfortable um, say, disciplining or binding someone's conscience on it. I, I, I have no trouble speaking to them as a brother and just saying, I couldn't do it, um, and, and explaining to them why. But at this point, I, I just don't think I have enough to, to bring uh, discipline to that. At this point, I, th- I think it's primarily an issue of conscience, there was like a third option kind of in a First Things article that I found intriguing that um, it was kind of like a fictitious open letter from mm-hmm. a, a cake baker saying that, okay, because of the way it's being treated now politically, they were going to go ahead and bake the cake for gay, gay clients' ceremonies. However, they were going to donate all the money from that sale to an organization that fought to protect and advance religious liberty. So now the conscience of the decision kind of falls on the buyer. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. And Mm -hmm. so I found that to be a creative Mm -hmm. and interesting uh, Mm -hmm. tactic to use. Or or the risk of the person buying the cake when they come to pick it up and and I say, I just want you to know 
Um, I had to bake this cake or you'd sue me. I hope you enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> leaving, the, yeah. leaving the precise contents of the cake a little bit of a mystery. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I probably wouldn't do that, though. <laughs> I think if you'd bake the cake anyway, Todd, people would be sufficiently worried about eating Enjoy. it. Enjoy. You, you wouldn't have to drop any hints. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. And, and I think also, you know, this is um, – I, I think we have to remember is that this is not just an issue of, of, of an individual Christian, you know, fighting for their rights, um, although part of that is it. I, I think Christians or, or, or those who might want to – those in the evangelical world who might want to say, oh, all you're doing is fighting for your rights, I'd, I'd want to push back and say, you know, religious liberty is actually something that is really good for any society. It's really good for people. Um, it's demonstrably good for people where there is religious liberty. And where religious liberty wanes, that's typically a, a sign that all kinds of other liberties are taken away as well. And so for Christians to really advance and seek religious liberty is actually really good for Mormons, it's good for Muslims, it's good for Buddhists, and it's good for atheists, because it's indicative of liberty in general. So I would say these kinds of things actually advance human flourishing. Go to any society that has robust religious liberty, and you'll find a a good catalog of lots of liberty, which is good for people. My my worry with that argument, though, Todd, is I think we're seeing the rise of a generation for whom liberty is simply not a virtue. I, I see this coming That's up true. with remarkable regularity in things I read coming out of universities where people are saying, you know, freedom of thought is, is license for evil. Right. We need people thinking correctly, not people thinking Absolutely. freely. And what starts as a, a fun and interesting idea in a university very quickly takes on sinister totalitarian yeah. dimensions right. in, in the wider, right. wider world. Right. And that's part right. of the irony that we have right now is that the place where there ought to be most freedom of speech and freedom of ideas, the university, <laughs> is the place where arguably those liberties are most constricted in American life right now. Yeah, yeah. It was encouraging to see Princeton faculty passing yes. that motion recently that sort of upheld, in a sort of qualified way, I suppose, but sort of upheld freedom of speech essentially uh, on campus. Whether, whether in practice that's the case is another right. issue, of course. But at least right. academics seem, at least academics of an older generation perhaps, seem to be seeing what's now at stake in what's going on. Right, uh, right. Yeah. I wonder if the broader question here as well is, as we wrestle with, you know, is cake baking a disciplining offense? Cake baking right. is a disciplining offense. And your response was, I think, the correct one. And that is, you know, I need to think about it a lot more mm-hmm. before we, we move on this in terms of discipline. I think that is emblematic of a whole lot of what's going on in society right. now with the, the developments in genetics, ethics, right. fertility treatment. Pastors are more and more going to be required to make some fairly complicated ethical decisions relative to congregants. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not sure that we are well – well, I know that I am not well equipped for that. I'm not sure that pastors in session are well equipped for many of the complicated ethical problems that are going to be presented to them by ordinary congregants. Right, yeah. It's requiring that pastors and elders – uh, yeah. begin reading substantial books on, say, bioethics. Yeah. Can I 
rent my womb to somebody else? Can right. I be a surrogate mother? Can I have somebody be a surrogate for me? Mm-hmm. Uh, there are a whole host of frozen embryos. questions. Frozen embryos, a yeah. whole host of bioethical questions, which frankly, I don't even know where to begin thinking right. about, let alone come to a, a reasoned and thoughtful conclusion. Right. We've got people in our churches who are looking at the thing that they do for a living the, the thing that, uh, that they put their creative resources and, and power into and are having to ask, ask a question, do I pour that into something that's going to be a part of something that is really wrong? And, that, and that's where it becomes about far more than just the cake. Yeah. It yeah. becomes and, about... And this, these are, it's, it, it is. It's, it represents something much bigger. And, right. and these issues are... Something that I think so many regular people in regular vocations are going to wrestle with. I know my husband does as a public school teacher. Right. You know, just um, there's so much good and value to his job. And, you know, a lot of good in the school system. Then there's a whole lot to, to counter, mm-hmm. balance, argue, and, and take a stand for. So, Yeah, yeah well, for, for, for the people in our churches neutrality is now going to become a thing of the past. If, if Christian institutions like Christian schools and uh, that, that sort of thing, if they think that they can just kind of lay low and not declare themselves on it, that's not going to last long. Yeah. Because but how are they going to dri- interact with the those whole Those driving culture. the agenda are going to force yeah. them to say, yeah. you're a Christian institution. Do you hold to these outmoded ideas that come out of Leviticus and Romans? Yeah. You know, that, that's yeah. going to be the thing that they're going to have to declare themselves on. And I think for those of us who hold broadly to a kind of spirituality of the church, it's still an issue because our congregants don't live in the church six out of seven days a week. They are being faced with these issues and they are going to have to be able to put their heads on their pillows at night and feel that they've made the right decision when faced with complicated ethical dilemmas. Well, thanks very much for joining us uh, for this Bully Pulpit. Please visit our website, mortificationofspin.org, and we look forward to providing more questions than answers next time. (laughs) Now, I don't know where you came from, because I don't know where you've been. But it really doesn't matter. Grab a chair and fill your platter and dig, dig, dig right in. If I knew you were coming, I'd bake the cake, hired a band. Goodness sake, if I knew you were coming, I'd bake the cake. Hot do, hot do, hot do. Thanks for listening to Mortification of Spin, Bully Pulpit, a podcast of the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals. The Alliance is a coalition of pastors, scholars, and churchmen who hold the historical creeds and confessions of the Reformed faith and who proclaim biblical doctrine in order to foster a Reformed awakening in today's church. Make sure to visit our website, mortificationofspin.org, to download The Church's Response, The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, by Rosaria Butterfield. Next time, the gang talks with Justin and Lindsay Holcomb, and they ask some, well, interesting questions. What percentage of the housework would Justin say he does, and what percentage does he actually do? When your wife says, honey, they're playing our song, what song are they playing? We want to start by finding out just how stable and secure their marriage is by playing a version of the newlyweds game. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to visit mortificationofspin.org to download your free MP3.
Let's do that. Let's be, let's that's be like in the a kitchen baking a cake. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Up to my elbows in that's cake batter it. with Truman. Yeah. yeah. We could go off and design a frock afterwards. <laughs> <laughs>